0: This is how it begins. Um, that's our, our series. Last week we talked about the importance of prayer. Why do we talk about prayer? Well, because well, something huge is happening in Estes Park. God is doing an amazing work right now. In fact, it's decades in the making. Lots of prayer have led up to this. Something that all the churches are coming together. And we have decided we're going to do battle against the enemy. Uh, in fact, we're going to wage a, a mighty... A mighty battle of peace over Estes. Because what happens, we discovered that uh, the teachers in the school district were were very concerned for the students. They noticed there were a lot of students that were struggling with all kinds of very difficult things. Depression, suicidal thoughts, self-harming. Then they noticed a lot of the parents were also struggling with a lot of things. depression suicidal thoughts, you have those things, divorce uh, is huge. Uh, They noticed that a lot of the teachers were struggling and just feeling this weight, this heaviness, uh, being overburdened. And uh, so uh, James Carnell, our youth pastor of the Hub, told us about this. And the school is taking this seriously. They're bringing in some experts and they're putting this thing, and he's on there as a a voice for the faith community. And we say, you know what, it's not just the schools, but we want to support the schools but I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of having darkness rule the valley. I'm tired of that, and there's no good reason for it. As the pastors, we said, you know what? This is this is a time we finally have the unity necessary to go and to wage peace in this community, and that's exactly what we're going to do. And so we're coming together, and st- and it's going to start. This is not just a series that's going to start and end. It begins next week. It's called One Voice. And really, it's not just the church's voice. This is the voice of Christ saying freedom, hope, life in the essence Valley. We're part of that. We're the body of Christ. And we're going to come together. And one of the things that we're going to do is, is uh, I'm going to be here next week. All the pastors will be at our own churches, and we'll start this off. We'll give a good theological basis for what we're doing. But then after that, I'm going to be at different churches. And I've been given the task to talk about encouragement because that's my spiritual gift. And if you've ever met me, you thought, well, maybe, um, you know. That's, so I get to go and talk about it, because it's an important part of, of winning the battle, isn't it? As we got to say encourage. well, I am not the only one that has a message. Uh, Dr. Hal Irvine from, from Mountain View has a message for us, the church in Estes, so he'll be here. Uh, and then we have uh, Jess Mann from Rocky, has a message for the church, he'll be here. We have uh, Pastor Steve Fuente from, uh, from Park Fellowship, he has a message for the, for the church in Estes Park, you know, he's going to come here. He's going to, to be here. And uh, and Mike Discoli from Summit, he has a message for the church of Estes, and he's going to come. And so we'll be at other churches. I'll be gone for two weeks. I'll come back for a week because, hey, I'll miss you guys. And then I'll be gone another for two weeks. And, and then at the very end of it, we're going to come together, all the church in Estes Park. And instead of having worship in our own churches that Sunday, we're going to have a, a big central worship service. And uh, and that's really a sending point, because this can't end. Uh, we're going and we're going to wage peace in this community. We're going to win, because it's not us doing the battle. How do we win that? Well, how do we make sure that we win? Well, we have to make sure we're connected to God, because God is the one that has the power to do it. The devil's too big for us, but he's very small compared to God. Do you ever consider that in, in the war of heaven? Right when the angels, a third of them, Satan and all that, tricked a third of the angels. Right, they were deceived them and, and they waged war. God didn't even have to fight. It says the other angels kicked him out of heaven. And God's so big, he doesn't even have to fight him, but he could. He could just you will know, him out of existence. God's big enough to overcome this. We need to make sure we're with him. That's why last week we talked about, this is how it begins. We need to begin with prayer. We're going to be talking with God and saying to God, we, we want your wisdom in this. We want your protection. We want your insight. We want you to help us. We want to make sure that you direct us so that we're with you and not asking you to come alongside of what we're doing because God doesn't typically do what we ask you know when we say hey god i've got big plans he's like no i've got bigger plans you're going to come along with me right so we need to make sure we have a god on this and this is a move of god so we last week we talked about the importance of prayer now we're going to we're going to bump it up a notch because we're going into something huge and that's why we're going to talk about fasting and that's i know that none of you got the memo that's why you're here right because <laughs> nobody wants to talk about fasting but it's powerful is powerful Now that's what we're going to talk about today before we get into it though we do have a memory verse it's a very hard memory verse and so we're not going to get it completely probably this morning but it's okay you have memory verse cards and i want you to be thinking about it this week because it's god's heart for fasting isaiah 58 the prophet begins uh uh talking to the people um for god and this is back in israel 700 years uh before christ came and uh The nation was religious, they were spiritual, but they were walking away from God. And they were wondering why God wasn't just saving them because they had all the right spiritual things. And and he talks to them about why they were missing the mark. And you should read this passage, uh, actually, Isaiah 58 sometime this week. But uh, this is what he says here. This is what God wants for a fast after he says what he doesn't want. He says, "Now this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. And remove the chains that bind people. And since we're going to talk about fasting this week, let's, let's talk about the fasting that God wants. huh? Let's do that. But it's huge. Did you notice that every single portion of that, what it talks about as far as fasting, it doesn't talk about not doing something. It talked about doing something of power and matters, something of love. That's the power we're talking about today. So make sure we meditate on it. That's just a fancy way of saying, think about this this week and how it applies to you. Because we want to fast in the way that God wants. And you're going to see why we want to fast. Because fasting is a powerful thing. In fact, fasting is something that um, when I was a young believer, I feared. I mean, I read it. I read about it. I heard about it. But I thought it was more for like monks with long beards on mountains or something, right? Like, who in their right mind would go without a meal, right? You'd have to be super-duper holy, right? That just seems so off. And then I tried to fast. I went to this thing called a 30-hour famine, and uh, it was awful. Oh, <laughs> I didn't like it. Uh, got together with a bunch of other teenagers, and uh, we were hungry, and the uh, and the, the youth room for 30 hours. And we did all these little activities to try to take our minds off of being hungry. And we learned about world hunger. And I thought, man, a lot of people in this world live like this. And it broke my heart for them, but it really made me want pizza. <laughs> and it was not a religious experience. Because I didn't know what it was about. I thought it was just something that you did just to do. But then as I grew in faith and I began to see what fasting was, I began to willingly, purposely begin to integrate it into my life. And we began to fast for breakthrough, fast for connection. It was a way of not doing away with something. It was for me to connect with something greater. And the power that fasting has is amazing But I'm going to tell you, if you just go through this just to do without food because it's the right thing to do, you're going to miss the point. You're just going to make yourself miserable. We as a church need to fast because of what we're going to come up against. We have to do it in the right way. What is fasting? Well, traditionally, what it really means is this is just doing without, usually food, for a specific period of time for a spiritual reason. That's what it is. It's denying yourself so that way uh, you can connect with something bigger. There's a reason behind it. Now, Jesus talks about fasting. Matthew 6, and I hope you read Matthew 6 last week, right? That was the reading thing. Because he talks about prayer and fasting, and you'll notice these two always come together, and there's a reason for that. But he talks about fasting, and and, the first thing you'll notice about when Jesus talks about fasting in there is we know that fasting is normal. It's not just for the spiritual elite, When Jesus is talking to them, after he talks about this is how everyone's supposed to pray, he says in this, and when you fast, not if you fast. In fact, we look at Jesus' life, it was just a normal part of his existence. You look at the saints, you look at the the, the prophets, how many of them have gone into fasting and prayer together? And you'll notice that they always happen together. That's the part that I miss of the 30-hour famine. I just fasted. I emptied but I didn't fill and it was miserable. But you all understand this, it's normal. We have to begin changing the perception. It's not average. Right? Average Christianity right now is a pretty boring thing. Average Christianity right now is what we don't do. What we don't support. Right? Average Christianity has allowed the enemy in darkness to come into this valley and to oppress our people. I'm done with average. But I want normal. Because normal Christianity is a Christianity that God designs. This is what he said. This is how it's supposed to work. Normal Christianity can take over an empire in less than three centuries. Normal Christianity can change hearts and lives. Normal Christianity raises the dead. Normal Christianity allows us to face death without fear because we know of have eternal life. Normal Christianity is powerful. It's passionate. Normal Christianity is unstoppable. Normal Christianity is what we need. This is normal. This is exactly what we were made for. When you fast, he just throws it out there like, of course, you're going to do this. And 2000 years later, we're like, what? Because we've been too content with average. Let's not be content anymore. When we fast, what do we do? (laughs) The first thing we need to do is have a right attitude. This is what the people in Isaiah missed. And this is the people in Jesus' day were missing 700 years later. They had the wrong attitude. They don't look somber like the hypocrites, right? They were doing something religious and they wanted everybody to know it. And so they put on a show as though they're going to impress God. That's not the right attitude. That's not why we fast. God is not impressed by your fast. He's not. He's not overly impressed by us, right? We messed up. We are saved by grace through faith. That's okay. There are wrong motives for fasting that I think that we have seen and we need to, to understand and recognize and avoid. The first one, we don't fast for self-righteousness. We don't fast because it makes us more righteous people. You have been made righteous in Christ. You cannot be more righteous than you are right now. Isn't that amazing? When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. He says, perfection. Can you get better than that? No, so when you fast, is God like, whoa, better than, no, perfection is perfection. You are righteous before him. And you're not self-righteous, you're righteous because of Christ. Self-righteousness does this, it puts on a fast and it, and it and it makes us look all lousy and somber and down. And people are like, man, I want nothing to do with that kind of God. Starves his people for no good reason. All right. It's not what we do. We don't do it so we can look down our spiritual noses at the less spiritual people. Oh, you don't fast? Well, <laughs> you know, you're not as fancy a Christian as I am, right? No, it's not about righteousness. Our righteousness is taken care of. So take that off the table. It's also, it's not about penance. We don't fast to punish ourselves. That cross means something. It means that my sins have been paid for every one of them. It means my mistakes have been paid for. Every one of them. That's what it means. It means that God's not angry with me anymore. That's what propitiation means. I don't have to fast. It's not like God's up there saying, well, once you suffer enough for what you've done, now I'll listen to you. Jesus suffered enough for what I've done. God's going to listen. Listen. So I don't need to do that to somehow feel like I'm paying a price, a holy price, a ticket, so that way I can get admission into the kingdom of the throne room of God. What I learned from Hebrews is that I am anchored there because of Jesus, and I can walk boldly into that throne room and talk to my heavenly Father. So let's not do it for penance. We don't do it for arm twisting either. I think this is where most Christians get it off. We think it's like this holy hunger strike, if we really talk about it, right? I'm going to fast. I'm not going to eat until God gives me what I want. I'm going to twist God's arm. I'm going to show him how badly I want this. I'm just not going to eat until he gives it to me. And God will let you starve because you, you're saved. Right? You've got, you got a banquet in heaven. you will go up there and say, that was dumb. Why would you do that? See, God's not moved by those things. We're not going to manipulate God. That's not why we fast. But I think sometimes that's what people think it is. They think, well, if you really want something, let's let's fast, and then we're going to pray. And what praying means is that we're telling God what we want. That's what they mean by prayer. It's a one-way conversation. I'm not going to eat, and I'm going to tell God, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. We miss the point, and we lose the power, and it's miserable, so we don't do it. We also don't fast for weight loss. Now, that's a nice secondary thing, maybe, Right? But that's not why we do it. It's not about gaining something for the flesh. In fact, it's quite the opposite. So we need to start with the right motives. Why do we fast? Well, we fast so we can connect to God. We don't fast so we can tell God what to do. We don't fast to move God. We fast so that God will move us. So he'll tell us what to do so that we can actually hear him. And understand. We fast to show God that we're very sincere about these things. We want to connect with Him and His ways, and thereby also connecting with His power to do His will. There's a big difference. Jesus goes on and He says this uh, that we need to be uh, sincere. Not just have the right motives, but we have to be sincere in our fast. It says when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your faces, so not be obvious to others that so you're fasting, but only your father who is unseen. Right? And it says the Father sees us will see what is done in secret. So we 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 do this for God, not for other people. You see that's the danger about doing something that's spiritual is that there's this portion of us that's called pride right, that, that's just there, that little guy inside of us that tries to puff us up and things like this. And then when we do something like this, we're like, look at this thing that I've done that's, that's so not average. Yeah, but it's normal, so this was expected, so it's okay. You don't have to get prideful over this, but we try to get prideful. And so we do this as a show for other people, so we can say, I'm more spiritual than you guys, and so I'm better. But that doesn't impress God. I didn't come for that. The cross pretty much levels us, doesn't it? It shows us that we all pretty much messed up and we all pretty much need him. And we're all very much righteous because of him. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a big change for us. So we have to make sure that when we fast, we're doing it because we want to connect with God. Not to just impress people. And so we have to be sincere. In fact, that's what what, uh, Isaiah talks to the people about in Isaiah with that that, that message that we we began memorizing. The fasting that he wants is what? Well, he wants us to do some very practical things. Free those that are wrongly imprisoned. Take care of injustice. God is a God of justice, so let's hear his heart. How about lighten the burden of those who work for you? We're not going to take advantage of people. You know, actually treat others with dignity and grace and mercy because we have received dignity and grace and mercy. Let the oppressed people go free and break the chains that bind people because we have been set free and we know what it's like to be a slave. See, God cares deeply about our sincerity. Are we doing things for him? He said he told the people in Isaiah 58, the reason I'm not listening to your fast is because you you do all the spiritual stuff, but then you treat each other like junk and you don't listen to me and you don't care about me or my heart. You're just doing this thing thinking that you're going to impress me. You know what? Have your heart right. If you really want to impress me, if you really want to to connect with what I want to do, then get on board with my plan. And God is all about love and freedom and mercy and grace. And so to participate in a fast is a spiritual thing, but then to ignore loving God and loving other people, we missed the point, didn't we? And so he says this, the kind of fast, we have to be sincere. And sincerity will show not by our words, but by our very lifestyle. And so when you engage in a fast, it's an incredible time of self-reflection. It's an incredible way that when we fast, we do pray, but the prayer isn't this, God, I want to do this and this and this. It's, God, what do you have for me? God, show me the areas where I'm off track. Because I guarantee every one of us is is not walking perfectly, right? Right? And isn't it wonderful that our God can show us those things in such a wonderful way that he doesn't condemn us, but he gives us guidance? And he says, here's a good way to go. Fasting empowers us to do that. It shows us the way in which we are doing these things. We say, well, you know, what do you mean wrongly imprisoned? I'm not wrongly imprisoning someone. Have you ever not forgiven somebody? Because you put them in a prison of guilt that they can't break out of. And they're there wrong because God told you forgive because you've been forgiven. You know, there are a lot of ways that we look at this passage and when we begin to fast and pray and God says, you know what, this is how you free the prisoner. Or maybe sometimes it's actually going out and maybe God puts it on your heart to free people that are wrongly imprisoned in real prisons. You know, there's, God can speak to us and he shows us where our hearts are off so we can get back on the right track. That's the kind of fasting he wants. It's a fasting that corrects. It's a sincere fast It says, God, I sincerely want what you want. And that's going to be demonstrated in my life. Jesus said uh, when he was tempted by the devil after not eating for 40 days, and that's a pretty severe fast, okay? When you walk into the desert and you don't eat for 40 days, big deal, right? And the devil comes and he tries to tempt him with all these things. And then finally he says, you know, if you're really the son of God, you can just you're really hungry, just manipulate nature. You know, break the rules. Turn these stones into bread. And what did Jesus said? He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, he showed us something very important about a fast. Jesus was not resentful of the fast, was he? He knew that there was a greater power he was connecting with. He was tapping into. He was not going to fall into temptation because he realized there was something much more important. See, a fast is this. It takes us away from nibbling at the table of this world. And I think that's what happens to most of us. We sit at this world and we stuff ourselves. We gorge ourselves. We're so filled with the things of this world that we have no appetite for God. We have no appetite for spiritual things anymore. Right? We've grown accustomed to tasting the pleasures of this world, and so we're like, ah, we spoiled the real dinner, didn't we? And what fasting does is it allows us to step away from the table of this world long enough and say, God, I, I, I need to long for you. I, I need to have that hunger for your ways and your word and your will. And so we have to take a time where we don't nibble off that table and spoil the supper anymore. And so we can say, God, I know that real life comes from you and not just these temporary things. That's a sincere fast. And there's a purpose to that. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is writing to Timothy about to, how to lead the people of God well. So he begins to, to train young Timothy and, and and taking up the torch of, of, of the pastorate and, and challenging him to, to carry on the gospel to the next generation. And he teaches them all kinds of amazing things. But uh, one thing he says here, in, starting in verse 7, he says this, But have nothing to do with worldly fables that fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily, dis- bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. Now, notice what he juxtaposes between this. The first one is just fables about this world, gossip, things of this world that are so tantalizing, right? So, he says, you know what? Those are very small things. And he even says physical fitness. If you just discipline your body, like even if you just discipline your body for a fast and you say, I'm going to tell my body what it's supposed to do, that's got benefit and you'll lose some weight or whatever. But spiritual discipline has got benefit both for this life and the next. See, real fasting is not about going without food. It's about connecting with God, right? That's the spiritual discipline. It's saying to, saying to yourself, "Self, I'm stepping away from this world enough I'm going to say no to the things of this world enough so I can long for God and I can connect with Him, so I can hear from Him, right? So that I can be filled with Him. That's what I missed in my early fasts. My early fasts is I just did without food, right? And then we did things to preoccupy ourselves so that we wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't think about it, and it was miserable because I was missing the point. But a good fast, a real fast, the fast that God wants is one that steps away from those things so I can say to God, I want You. Let's connect with You. What do You want? Let me be a part of that. Help me be part of that. I need your power, your strength, your wisdom for this. That's a sincere fast. It's training yourself spiritually. What does it mean to walk with God? And that has got benefits both this life and the next. Why in this life? Because righteousness matters, doesn't it? Think about uh, what Jesus talked about with Peter. If you live by the sword, what's going to happen? Die by the sword. What about all these bad habits that most people are trying to get rid of this time of year, right? We call them bad habits for a reason. Aren't most of them gluttony? A lot of them, isn't it? Addictions. Things where we've sold into this world and now those things are killing our bodies. Righteousness is a very practical value. God's a practical God. But you know what? Righteousness doesn't just help us here. Walking with God and having a godly character, walking with the Lord I and mean, being connected with it. it doesn't just help us in this life, it helps us also for the next. It helps us live for value. We can live a life that invests in the next one. It's powerful stuff. So He invites us, He says, be sincere about this, but don't be, don't be fooled, there's benefit. There's a real benefit. And I think the thing that we also need to see here, there's a reason we fast. We don't just do it for those things. We do this because fasting is powerful. Fasting, when combined with prayer, unlocks God's power in our lives. But it says, your father who sees what is done in secret, right? Your father who sees what you've done, just to connect with him. What will he do? Reward you. There is power when God rewards, right? God is the one that has the power. Who's going to save Estes Park? God. Right. We're not going to do it. But you know what we are? We are the body of Christ, aren't we? And so we need to have the power of Christ in us. We need to connect with him. And when we do that, when we walk into this community in God's power, you know, darkness, dark enough that can stop us. That make sense? That's the power of fast. That's what we're being called to. Now, there's a, a passage that uh, that uh, talks about how it amplifies prayers. Uh, there were some apostles and or they were disciples at the time, and they are trying to cast out demons. And there's this boy that had this demon in him and uh, was doing bad things. The boy would just kind of go into convulsions, throw himself into flames, and do all kinds of bad things. And, and the apostles at this point had been able to cast out other demons. They were, uh, they were able to go in and say, you know, through the, through the work of, of God, you know, the name of Jesus, be gone. And the demons didn't listen to them because of who they were. They listened because Jesus had authority. And they said, oh, you work for him? Okay, we're stepping out. But there was this one boy, and it didn't work like that. And it's like, in the name of Jesus, be gone. And the demon didn't leave. And then they're all freaked out. What does this mean, right? And then Jesus goes up and he says, and they were like, why, you know, because then Jesus goes and sees the boy, to the demon. He's like, get out of him. And the demon's like, ah, and leaves. And so then later they go back to Jesus and say, how come you could do that, but we couldn't? And then Jesus said, well. These ones only leave by fasting and prayer. Now, that's an interesting concept. Why? I don't know. But Jesus said it. He just kind of just said it like we should all know it, right? But we do know this. It amplifies. God. I think what it does is what it was is that the apostles needed to make sure it was God's power that was coming through. They needed to connect with God and say, you know what? God's the one that has to remove the demon from this, right? This boy. I can't do it because when it's me in doing it, then I get prideful. I, I think, well, I'm so big. I'm awesome. Right. But they need to realize it was God, the one that was removing the demon. That's my guess. But I'll tell you this. It does amplify our prayers. I think it focuses us. You know, when I fast, when I go through a fast and I do this, it's amazing how the first time that you go through it, you, you just think about being hungry. Right. But then. As you train yourself, you say, when I'm hungry, I'm going to use that as a reminder to ask God what he wants, right? I'm going to use that as a reminder to say that God's more important in my life than food. God's more important in my life than things, and helps put things in perspective. And as I start to connect with God in that, it's amazing how the fast really focuses you like a laser, (laughs) right? When God starts talking to you, he says, this is what you want. This is what I want from you. You are listening. Why? Because you're not thinking about what I'm going to make for dinner next, you're not thinking about what am I going to do for me next. You are there. The reason that you are fasting is because you're connecting with God. It does. It just focuses your heart, your mind, your soul like this laser, and you connect in with God. What He's doing, right? It's an amazing thing, and that amplifies our ability then to talk to God about those things. We're able to discuss things in much greater depth, with much greater emphasis. You know, um, I think with that power, when fasting is engaged we see things happen in scripture that that are enormous you know that Jesus before he picked the twelve he had a he had a bunch of disciples we had the you know where he he uh he invites them but then it says in scripture before he called the twelve and he you know he called them on the mountain and says you're gonna follow me. you know what he did before that in scripture he fasted and prayed Jesus who is God the word fasted and prayed you know what jesus did before uh um uh, well, there's actually quite a few times in Scripture before Jesus did big things. You find him going away and fasting and praying. If God himself did this, sets an example for us. How much more for us when we're going into a community in God's love and to be able to to uh, wage a peace upon a very violent enemy. Right? And to free those who are captives to darkness, we need to have that same kind of laser focus on God's will. We need to make sure that we're connected with him. We need to make sure that we've heard from him, that he's the leading us and directing us. We need to have his power engaged. That's why we need to fast. And so I don't know if you've ever been in a fast before. Um, if you've never done a fast, let me tell you this. Start small. Don't do a 40-day fast your first time out because you'll die. And then you'll talk to God and you be like, well, that was dumb. Right. So uh, typically we'll start small. You just t- take a meal. Take a meal and, and say, you know what? I'm putting this aside. I'm going to take this time that I'm not doing that because a fast is not about what we don't do. It's about what we're connecting to. I'm taking this time and I'm connecting with God. The time that I would have eaten, I'm now going to spend communing with him. I'm going to eat upon his word and talk with him. That's a great way to start. And then if God calls you to, then you can continue the fast. Oftentimes when I begin a fast, I don't, uh, I'll do not i say, well, I'll, I'll fast for a day or, or two, and I'll say, okay, uh, when I hear from him, then I'll break this, right? So I talk, and, I, and I'm praying to him, and, I'm, and God's working on me, and eventually just feel a release. And if i there was once I had like a three-day fast, it was like a day and a half into it. God gave me what it needed. So I didn't go through the next day and a half because he already released me. Right, I could have suffered for the next day and a half. That would be stupid. Right? So you, you listen for him. God doesn't do things in our time frame. We just wait upon him. But I would say to begin with, let's start with, with one meal. And um, uh, the more traditional churches I grew up in, the Catholic church, it was always on Friday that we did this, but we would, we would fast over Lent. And we would do without meat. That was the fast. right? So we'd have fish because why not? Right? Um, and that was a very meaningless thing for me. I always thought, well, I like fish, so that's great. Uh, and so it wasn't a fast. But I'll tell you this. I think something that would be um, powerful for us to do as a church is if we would do without a meal for the next 40 days or until the end of this series, which I think is like six or seven weeks, right? When it's all done. If we would take maybe Friday dinner and say, you know what? We're going to do without Friday dinner. As a congregation, as a church family. And with, instead of just doing without dinner, let's let's take that time, that dinner hour, 5.30 to 6 o'clock. And let's pray. Let's pray for our community. Let, let's ask God. Let's not tell God what we want. Let's have a conversation with him and say, God, what do you want? And let's begin with ourselves. Say, God, where am I off? Where am I, Where am I missing the point? Where am I living the hypocritical life? But then let's also say, God, what do you want for this community? And God, help us as we step into this community with your love and with your light and with your goodness. Help us to bring light here. Break the power of the enemy here. Give us opportunity to share the gospel. Give us words and opportunity, please. And what if we did that as a congregation? What if it wasn't just us, but what if all of the churches in Estes did this? Do you think something powerful might happen? Because that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me. You don't have to come to the church if you don't want to, but I'll be here 530 to 6 o'clock every Friday until this is done. I'll be right here. And if you don't know what to do while you fast, come and pray with me. Let's win this battle. This is how it begins. Now. As I bring this to a close, how do you put this into practice? There are lots of things you can do. One is very simple and clear, right? <laughs> One is very simple and clear, but there are things that we need to do. What I would like you to do is take your, your connection card out. On the back side of it, some things that you can do. I think that the first thing maybe you commit to this week is memorizing Isaiah 58.6. Because how on earth can you fast correctly if we don't know what God wants from us, Right? I think it's so important as you go through this, you know the enemy is going to try to bring confusion, isn't he? That's what he does. He's going to try to remind you about how spiritual this is and how good you are, what a great Christian you are, and puff you up, or maybe he's going to tell you about how bad you are, what a bad Christian you are, and and how you need to suffer. No, this passage is the power to remind us what a fast really is about. And so maybe what you begin with is you say, God, I want to be filled with your word. I want to think about what you say. I want this to become part of who I am in my own thinking. Maybe you begin with that, start with the word. How about this? Maybe you read Isaiah 58 and see what God has to say about fasting for the prophet, for his people. That's a great passage to read, by the way, and it's a really encouraging one. In fact, if you want to just keep on reading to Isaiah 59, really fun stuff happens. So, But read Isaiah 58 this week. Maybe that's where you begin. Or how about this? Maybe, Maybe you prepare yourself. Maybe this week you say, you know, I'm going to begin preparing myself for this fast. Maybe before we even fast, maybe what I'll do is I'll start talking to God and I'll say, God, where am I off? Because you don't have to wait till you're fasting for him to, to show you. In fact, he says the Holy Spirit is in you. And part of the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of sin, but also to, to train us in righteousness, right? To help us. So maybe what you do is say, God, where, where am I off? Where is where are the things that are standing in between uh, me and you? Because I guarantee God didn't put those things there, right? So maybe you begin by preparing yourself and your heart, and you say, God, help me, help me connect with you. And maybe what you do is you know maybe you join this fast, and you say, you know, as far as the body of Christ in Esses Park, we're gonna we're not we're not taking this lightly. This is not just some this next thing that we're doing as a church, this, this is the kingdom of God advancing right now in Estes Park as we've been praying for over two decades and probably more for it to happen. Maybe what you say is, I'm taking this seriously and I'm joining this. I'm in. And that that's you, let us know because I know you're going to be attacked if that happens, if you do that, right? So I'll be praying for you. That's what I do. Maybe there's something else that you have. Another prayer. My request, maybe there's another action that you have, write it down. If you do have a prayer request, let us know, because we do. We lift your prayers before God, and God does amazing things. Or maybe you're here this morning, and you've never, never started a relationship with Jesus as your own personal Lord and Savior. I will tell you this, no amount of fasting or religious work or prayer or anything is going to matter until you have a relationship with Him. We are righteous by faith, or actually by grace, through faith. The only reason I can go to God's throne room is not because I'm a pastor or because I'm this great spiritual guy. It's because, because I recognized that I needed a savior, that I was sinful and had no right to be in the throne room of God. And God sent his son to this earth and died for my sins so I wouldn't have to pay that penalty. And he said, you can have my righteousness. You can have my key to God's throne room. You can be his child. If you've never had a time in your life where you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior, that's where you have to begin. There is no peace before then. But there can be peace with him. And so if you need to make that decision or you want more information, let me know that. Right here, it's a starting relationship with Jesus. Uh, if you mark that down then obviously print, let me know how to get a hold of you. I'll talk with you this week. What does it mean to follow Jesus? I'll answer your questions. I'm sure you've got plenty. How do you follow him? And we'll walk with you through the whole process, not just becoming a Christian, but as you're a Christian, how to grow in faith and faithfulness. It's a great thing. But if you would like to start that, let me know, and uh, and we'll connect with you this week. Now, here in a minute, we're going to take our offering. As we take our offering, our tithes, Make sure you drop this connection card in the basket. I wish sure appreciate that it helps us to connect with you and to serve you better. Uh, before we do that, however, as always, we we like to uh, we like to pray. We have an opportunity to talk to God, and so we do that corporately. It's it's a great thing to do. I'll start, and uh, if you have something on your heart that you would like to pray, then certainly do that. If you uh, just want to pray in your own quiet of your own heart, you're welcome to do that as well. But let's all come together and let's uh, let's let's come to the Father, in prayer now. Please join me. Heavenly Father, thank you for you and your power and your goodness. Father, I thank you that you are light, and I thank you that you've designed this universe in such a way that you can't lose, that uh, that uh, light always overcomes darkness, that you are uh, not evenly matched against your adversary, Father, that he is so far beneath you, um, and that Though we were once your enemies, we rebelled against you and tried to kick you out of our own lives and tried to say we want to do things our way. You didn't annihilate us, but out of patience and grace and mercy, you sent your own son to this earth and he willingly laid his life down and paid a death that we should have each paid. So that we could partake in his righteousness, something that none of us deserved. And because of that, as it says in scripture, we know what love is because you first loved us. But then it also says, because we've been loved, we ought to love one another. So God, help us to love one another. Help us to be a church that doesn't just talk about faithfulness. Let us be a church that lives it. Let's not be a church that talks about God's redemption. Let's be a church that actually practices it. Father, thank you for calling us, your body, your hands, your feet in this own community to show your love and your power and redemption. But Father, we know a body without a spirit is dead and we need your spirit. We need your power to do these amazing works that you've called us to do. And so Father, that's exactly what we want to be part of. We're excited about what's going to be happening this, this next month and a half in, in the community. But we know that the enemy is not sleeping. We know that he's not unaware of what's happening. And, Father, we fully expect him to throw a temper tantrum. So, Father, we pray that you overwhelm him and overcome him in every single, every single field of the battle. Father, let us not wage war like the enemy does through fear, intimidation, and violence, and depression, and despair, and destruction, Father. But instead, a whole different way. Let us be warriors of truth and of light and of love and of peace and of purpose. Warriors like Christ, who overcame wickedness with good, who overcame hatred with love. Father, who overcame darkness with absolute pure and perfect light, let us be your hands and feet. And Father, I pray as we prepare for that this week, both us and the rest of the churches that are participating... Father, I pray that you would help us as we, as we begin to pray. Give us words. Teach us what we ought to be talking to you about. And, Father, let's begin to, to fast this week. Protect us from pride. Protect us from wrong motives. Protect us from the show. And, Father, help us to connect with you. And, Father, we pray in this, that you would receive this community and this, this church In such a way that it brings you great glory. For you certainly deserve it. And now, Father, as we continue in prayer. I thank you that you hear every one of our prayers. That we can walk boldly into your throne room. So, Father, I ask that you would continue to have an open ear. And to answer according to your wisdom. We ask in Christ's name.